I didn't do anything in these conversations besides sit there and listen. And I just think it's amazing when someone realizes, wow, all I have to do is let someone know I'm there for them for 20 minutes and something magical might happen. unusual podcast with my guest because I don't know that much about him, but what I did see made me immediately reach out and say, I need to talk to you. I want to have a conversation with you. He's a young man and he's got a very interesting perspective on the world. And he does this thing called the listening table. And I'll let him tell you his story, but I just want to know everything about what you're doing and how you're impacting people's lives. So Orly, for people who don't know who you are, can you please introduce yourself? Yeah. My name is Orly Nathan Israel. I grew up in Los Angeles, California, and for my whole life, loved children's books and children's stories. You know, my father is a TV writer. My mother was an art gallery curator for children's book art. So Horton Hears a Who and Dr. Seuss and The Hungry Caterpillar. And so I grew up in this world that was all about creating with art for kids. And I always wanted to be a writer. Uh, Sometime along the way, I got involved in entertainment media from college and also had navigated a tumultuous but also really great relationship with two younger brothers. Just the classic younger brother kind of being the oldest and not knowing how to handle conflict as a kid. Uh, so I learned a lot about how to be self-control and, and how to listen better because I had really great parents who taught me all about good things. And I wanted to tell stories about how to get along with your family. And then at a certain point, I realized in, in entertainment media that a lot of it is like selling toys. And if it's a kid's TV show, it's all about selling a toy. And I worked with so many people who had these ideas that were just kind of merchandise driven and very few of the people I worked with who were the best people were the people who had a why of like, this is a story I have to tell and here's a reason. And I found myself in a place where I really wanted to teach about communication skills, but I didn't feel like I knew anything about communication skills. So I ended up doing a lot of volunteering, went to this program where they kind of teach communications in prison uh, called Free and Choose, which is, I, I'm only giving it an incredibly small amount, but it was life-changing. And they do this whole listening program all about communication. Uh, and I was like, how does this not exist outside of prisons? So I took kind of their formula of someone being a listener and someone being a sharer and someone being a silent observer, and I brought it to the outside once I heard a communication teacher say, learning how to, he said, you can study communication in books as much as you want, but it's just like learning how to swim where you can, it doesn't matter how many books you read. If you don't get in the water, you don't know how to swim. And so I decided if I wanted to be able to teach something, I had to learn it. And if I had to learn it, I had to swim. So I set up this listening table with a sign that said here to listen, no judgment, no advice, no charge, just as I thought of how can I practice swimming rather than just read books on it. And I did this to practice listening skills so I could learn. And I did the listening table about 60 times. I did every weekend for 
since I started November of the previous year. So I've done probably 80 or 90 weeks now. I did it about 60 times before I posted a video or anything about it because I just wanted to learn. And eventually somebody convinced me. One of my brothers actually finally convinced me to make a video about this. The videos did really well. And then all of a sudden I found myself in a place where I have, I just got off the phone with a student who's doing a listening table program in his high school in Texas. And I'm working with other high schools to set up listening tables that are all over the country and the world, which is a very short version of my story. Mm, this is really cool. So I understand that you went to Syracuse communications major and what struck me immediately about your setup, uh, you do these recaps, like listening table recap, and you tell the stories. And it, it, it now it makes sense understanding who your parents are and your influences as a child. It makes a lot of sense. But it is quite different because we've seen somebody else with a table. I think it's uh, Louder with Crowder, who is the <laughs> opposite of listening. And he's there to push buttons. So this is kind of a harsh juxtaposition between someone who's trying to stir up the narrative versus someone who's just literally just wants to sit there in silence and listen to people. So you would think, well, listening is not that hard, but anybody who's in the communication space knows that's not the case at all because we feel almost compelled sometimes to speak, to advise and to do more than what needs to be done. So tell me, are there some basic rules that you give to yourself or people who want to start a listening table? Some of the key tenets of what, what it means to be a good listener. Yes. I'm so glad you asked because I just put this video on YouTube of like an hour and a half long. Here's how I do it. And here's how you can do it too. Uh, it's not perfect, but I realized perfection is going to stop my momentum. The guidelines are no judgment and no advice. And it's a very simple way to say, if someone is sharing something with you and it's something that is weighing on them, there's a pretty good chance they've shared with other people and that other people have told them how to feel about it or if they've made a bad choice and what they should do. And I like to think about when I'm at the table that I'll be the one person that they can tell something to that isn't going to tell them what to do or how they should feel or what the other person would have done or say something like, oh, you're going through that? That's nothing. I'm going through this and it's way worse. So you should be grateful about your situation because it could be so much worse. I think that if I had to say that there was just a couple guidelines, it is all about improving your own listening skills, which means the person who's talking to you is the focus of the story. Whatever it is, they're the most important person. Your curiosity is something you should pay attention to, but not obey. You want to know something, but do you have to know it? Most of the time you don't. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I have learned over the whole time is moderating your curiosity to say, look, I don't know what the circumstances are behind this problem, but you have it and that's all that really matters. Man, if I could figure out how to do the guidelines in 30 seconds, that'd be really good. But I'm still working on like a 10-minute <laughs> you know, little thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when somebody's telling your story and they're pouring into you, what are you supposed to do as a good listener? Great question. One of the things I love to think about is there's no right way to do this. The table is a symbol for everyone has a table. You've got a table in your house, maybe two. And that is as much a listening table as mine is. And I like to think about, like, I don't be silent only. I'm only silent when 
it's the right thing to do or the best thing I can think of to do. I think that the first thing I usually do is reflective listening, which is a pretty common psychological therapy, general kind of listening advice that many people give is say what you hear. If someone's having a bad day, you can say, wow, it sounds like you're having a really difficult day. And that's it. Or if you if they tell a long story, you know, you could say, well, it sounds like you took that really difficult news and are trying to make it something that you can work with, but you're still struggling to figure out how to do that. There are times where I hear things that drive me crazy because I really want to say something to tell them like, oh, I know exactly what you're going through and this is exactly what you should do. And when I do the listening table, I think of the rules as guidelines, right? I can break the rules whenever I want as long as I'm doing it on purpose. And it takes the intentionality of when you're listening. Say, look, if you're going to give someone advice, ask them if you can give them advice. I really never give my opinions on things. And some people, someone came up to me the other time I did a table and wanted to argue with me whether birds were real or not. Oh, you want to talk about birds that are real? I said, no, Stephen Crowder is the guy who's going to argue with you. I am mm. not going to do that. Listening really just lets you realize most conversations are so low stakes. You're going to have another chance to talk to most people in your life. So if you think you can do better next time, then you do better next time. But most of the time, if you say something wrong, you just kind of go, oh, I could have done it better, but oh well. So I have some questions for you in terms of like how you started doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what your personality is like, but for me, I'm trying to imagine myself saying, I have an idea. I want to try something, but pulling out a table in random public spaces and hanging it up a sign saying, uh, listening table, uh, it would be very uncomfortable for a person like myself who's introverted, socially awkward. I'd, I'd rather be in the shadows than in the light. Uh, how was it for you to start that idea and, and the first couple of times when you went out there to do it? That's a, so fascinating for me to hear because you are someone who I've followed for a long time and would never have imagined you would be. I mean, you're so good at being in the light. So that's, I think maybe we have a, a similarity there in the sense that I love being introverted Mm. and I realized I want to do this change in the world. I want to make people understand that better listening is not something you need to go to grad school for or take a 12 week course. There's something you could just kind of see something slightly different and start practicing in yourself. And I just thought if I don't do this, it's not going to happen. And it was just a culmination of me really having no other options at that point. I needed to make myself uncomfortable in order to do anything that I think was worthwhile. And I remember I was on my iPhone and I was 27 years old and I said, Hey Siri, you know, how many days until my 30th birthday? And it was like a thousand days. And I was like, I got a thousand days to do something. I have to do something ridiculous and as fast as I can. I made a list of all the of all the things I could do, because I had a lot of ideas. And the listening table just happened to be the easiest one. You know, the least production value I had the table, the signs cost $5. What you mentioned is the spotlight thing. And I think it's, it speaks to a, like, I'm not in the spotlight when I'm at the table. I am the spotlight when I'm at the table. You know, the person who sits there is the person who gets the attention. I get some thumbs ups from people passing by, but 
a majority of where the attention is, is always with the person who sits down to share. But you know, in setting up the table, you're inviting strangers to come up to you. And I've seen some of the clips where some people have strange reactions, strange conversations, some are angry, some are happy to see you. Uh, it, it's so it's kind of inviting people into your orbit. And I think that's enough as, a, as an introvert to kind of scare me. And so when I saw you doing the, these videos on, on Instagram, I was like, wow, that's a really neat idea that I think anybody can do, but nobody does. And so I think that makes it even more special. And I, I love your perspective on this and that you don't need training. You don't need to have a degree or anything. You just have to have the intention, the spirit to be able to be there for people. And it's such a simple concept, but and executed so well when you, when you do it. Um, what, what do you think people get from sitting down there next to you and, and just having someone who listens to them without judgment? So there's two people that sit with me sometimes. Next to me is what you'll join me with one day as a silent observer, and you'll get to listen with me. Across from me as a sharer, I think is, I just want to say up front, I did the table to make myself a better listener. And that divorces me from the necessity to help anybody who sits down with me because I'm helping myself. Mm. It's a personal goal. And sometimes people sit down and the things that they're going through are, there's nothing anyone could say to make it better. And sometimes there are things people could say to make it better, but I don't say a lot of those things. I like to think that if you come to sit at the table and you see me, who's not specifically trained or being paid, I represent someone that is anybody, uh, a friend or a family member. And if I can listen to you, knowing what I know, and you feel good or seen, then you can take that feeling and bring it back to your kitchen table or your dinner table, and you can give that same feeling to others. So I really try and be a, I guess, a role model of sorts and say, look, if I did it, I'm not doing anything special. I'm trying to show that this is like something anyone can do. So in a way, okay, there's some interesting concepts here I'd like to unpack. One of the, the mindsets, or, or at least your thinking or philosophy is, I'm not compelled to help them or give them advice because I'm doing this to be a better listener. So you don't feel like there's another job for you to do except for to be a good listener. And I think that's really important because I think, uh, especially in the client service space, when someone tells us a problem, we immediately get into solutions mode. We're, we're kind of hardwired to do that. And I often encourage people you have lots of solutions. Make sure you have a full understanding of the problem first. And that is more than half the battle. If you can just sit down and ask questions and be curious, allow the person to work through the problem. You empower them to find their own solutions. They feel more validated, more confident and self-assured rather than you just rushing in to rescue people. And I think there's something inside of us that makes us feel good when we can do that. But it's a much more powerful thing when you can help others find their own way. The second thing that you mentioned, which I think is pretty lovely, is I'm going to give you the example. It may not be perfect, but I'm going to listen. And when you see that, then you can model that yourself and bring that idea home. And then your idea transfers to other people and it makes a greater impact. So you you impact the person who's in front of you, the sharer, but perhaps they take that away and they model that for home. And maybe they're having a difficult moment with a child or a, a spouse and they can they can be there and they can try to do what you're doing. And, and maybe just improve their relationship and their communication by X percent. And that's a pretty cool concept, I think. Thank you. I really have been blown away by some of the response from people who 
have seen the videos and and write me saying, oh, I, you know, my relationship is way better with this person or that person. And also, there is a a beautiful. It's it's one of my least favorite things to hear, but also one of my favorite things to hear is when someone sits down at the table and they share. You know, some people share for. The average is probably 10, 15 minutes, but sometimes it goes to f- an hour and sometimes it's, you know, 20 seconds. Uh, but sometimes people will say, I don't have anyone to tell this to or thanks for listening. And not because they don't have anyone in their life, but because they have people in their life that just won't be there for them in the way they need, which isn't really doing a lot. Like just being there in the way they need just means sitting and paying attention to them. Uh, and you know, someone has told me this incredible life story and says, you know, I have plenty of friends, but I can't think of anybody who would listen to me talk for more than 10 minutes at one time. And I think that just speaks to maybe society or maybe the nature of people wanting to get something out of relationships or conversations, but just to know that practicing patience and curiosity and interest is such a I didn't do anything in these conversations besides sit there and listen. And I just think it's amazing when someone realizes, wow, all I have to do is let someone know I'm there for them for 20 minutes and something magical might happen. For the people who haven't seen one of your videos online, can you describe what the general structure is? I I can describe it, but I'd rather hear it from you so that they have some context for what is actually happening. Because maybe they're like entering this conversation like, Sounds fascinating, but how the heck does this work and what is going on? Describe to them the setup and what what the videos look like on, on, say, on social media. Sure. So I do these recaps of my listening table experience. And I started with table number probably 68 because I did it that many times before I filmed a second of it. And I really like to make sure that's up front. Um, I set up this table and I have a long shot of me setting up this table in a time lapse. And it's just me setting up this folding table and putting my signs and say, here to listen, no judgment, no advice, no charge. And then you'll see people sit down and sometimes an arrow pops up that says, you know, this person was doing that. Uh, But it's from very far away. And I give an explanation of if someone shared something with me, sometimes I say what I wanted to say. Like in the last video I made uh, a kid sat down, he shared something, and then all of a sudden he said he was ready to go. And I said, okay, that's fine if you leave. I didn't say that whole thing. I just said, okay. And he was surprised that I was letting him go because he's like, you don't want to talk more. I said, you're done, right? Um, And so I say it's so fascinating. You know, an observation I made for this video was that some people just expect you to want things from them. Uh, And then I just, you know, talk about a couple of things that happened during the video when I summarize it. Uh, If you watch my video, you'll notice you'll never see anyone's face. You'll never be able to identify anyone based on... You know, I very rarely have a microphone because it's not trying to say these are people's crazy stories that I found out on the street. Uh, But it's saying, here's me listening to something and here's how I reacted to a situation. And I think that, well, I made a very conscious choice because I really didn't want to be confused with someone who just goes around trying to get people on the street to tell crazy stories for views but to show that I'm trying to learn something. And uh, most of my videos are pretty similar. Here's what happened. And here's what I thought about them. And I really wish I could summarize those feelings into 90 seconds better because I think a lot about the things that happen. 
but that is uh, coming, coming soon. Okay, That's, maybe you're teasing us on something here. Okay, so from my perspective as a person, as the audience member watching this, everything Orly is saying is true. You don't get to know who the people are. The, as far as I can tell, the conversation is not recorded. It's mostly your recap. And because of the constraints of the 90-second time limit, I think for, for reals, it's it's very fast. You read or you speak at a very fast pace. Sometimes it's overwhelming for me to listen to. And it's like you can't even take a breath because you're trying to tell the story. And what you're doing is like, I think you do something like uh, listening table 144 recap. And then you're like, okay, Teddy, and this person said this and that. And it's a reflection. So I, the question I have for you as a person who's a listener myself is, do you take notes when people are speaking or you just recap after and you just go off with what you remember? I am a chronic journaler and a huge part of the way that I measure my own development is by writing about things. So after every table or during gaps in people, because sometimes it'll be 30 minutes between people sitting down or an hour. Uh, I'll just write down, you know, this person came and talked about this thing and here's what I wanted to say but didn't. And here's questions I wanted to ask and here's something I did say and this is how they reacted to it. So I have very detailed notes about the experience I have. And then I try to do the best I can from memory. Sometimes like 10 people will come up and and it'll be the whole day. And then I'll go back to my notebook afterwards and be like, oh, I can't even remember all this. But I try and get all the memories I can. Mm. So in the moment when you're listening to the person who's sharing a story with you, you're just 100% there. You're not taking any notes. Yeah. It's only when there's a gap and there's an opportunity for you to write something down that you'll do that. Right. I'm all in. Okay. Otherwise, I'd be betraying my own ideals. Mm. Tell me more about that. Why, why, why is taking notes betraying your own ideals? I think that this is part of the reason I was so reluctant to record the videos in the first place is because I'm practicing a skill, not initially doing a content thing. And I want people to know that I'm paying attention to them. Uh, I think it's pretty straightforward. I'm looking at them. And they're talking to me. And if I'm writing stuff down, I don't know. I think like sometimes I'll do it if they if I have a notebook on the table and they say something really interesting and I just like, hey, I have to write this down. I like to be reflective in my own moments. And it's hard for me to have these kind of thoughts when someone's talking to me. Otherwise, I can't listen to myself think or listen to the other person. I see. Hmm. So I guess um, to to each person their own, because for me, when you're speaking, sometimes I doodle uh, or when I'm interviewing people because doodling is a way for me to concentrate. And there's some studies that show that that the picture is not necessarily related to the stories that are being told, but they they, they calm the mind. So for you, writing or, or doing something else distracts you from being able to think about what the person's saying or thinking about your own thoughts while they're saying it. Is that right? I am a critical doodler. I mean, that was my nickname in elementary schools. My teachers would call me the doodler. Because I just would always draw on stuff and always be doing geometric patterns. When I'm sitting at the table, I have this roll of tape and I kind of just slowly rotate it around my hand so that I can have a physical thing going on. But writing for me is a, an involved process where when I do it, I like to really think about it. Sometimes I'm pissed at myself for missing something where someone says something incredible and I'm like, oh, I wish I recorded that. I wish I wrote this down. Oh my gosh, this thing was not only profound, but it would get millions of views if I had this person say this thing. And when I think about that, I just remember that 
I started this to learn how to do one thing and mm-hmm. I try and stay true to that. And it's okay if I miss these things because the moment was there that I had and I was actually there in person. But were you hinting at perhaps something else in the future that might allow you to share some of those conversations? I was hinting at longer recaps Okay. Um, on YouTube. I really take care to make these conversations private. I just, mm-hmm. I, it's impossible to test this because you can't ever have the same conversation twice. Right. And I've, every time I've brought a microphone out, nobody seems to care about it. You know, people are just like, fine, whatever. People will talk into the microphone just fine. So I think that there may be a world where I am able to share these conversations, some of the ones I might have. If it's coming across that the point of this is to show me demonstrating good listening rather than kind of a listen to what this person's talking about. It's crazy because I want to keep true to the intentions of why I set out to do this. And it was never to share other people's stories in a way that like if you're looking for a story of someone who lost a relative, you've got several people in your life that you can ask that story. It's just, I like to say like these stories exist in your life from people, you know, and I would much rather motivate people to ask the people they have in their lives, these questions and listen to strangers talk about whatever. Mm. I, I think your intention is to practice on listening and not necessarily storytelling. So those are two different um, goals. Um, but I can also see a moment in time when you reflect but are able to share a snippet of a powerful story, not not from the point of view, like, look how crazy and demented people are, but this was such a powerful voice and a story that needed to be told and and of course, with the person's consent and permission and approval that you're able to share it because there's something when you hear someone's story from their, their voice and their point of view that hits so hard. Like you're like, okay, so here this person poured into me. They said this and they needed this one moment. And then you hear a little bit of their voice. It really just paints that picture. But I, I think that's a different product or a different idea perhaps for someone else to do. But I, I just I just still enjoy this concept of yours, which is just... I just want to practice listening. In this world of social media, and I'm part of it, we're always broadcasting things to the world. And so we're focused a lot on communication and not so much on listening. And I think listening is the other half to the communication part. So that's why you're so intriguing to me. Thank you. That means a lot. I think that there is a, it's a, I'll call it a game, which is just the content creation business and what it is. And I think that Mm -hmm. I have to play to win. So I'm not, unwilling to try different things, bring microphones and, you know, I've brought a camera before and shot people and I'll try it. I think that things can surprise you. And if someone's consenting to telling a story, like, sure, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very open to trying different things and just doing it in a way that is not too much of a production you know, I sat at the table the first several times where I would just bring the table and now I bring a camera and a microphone. And while it's fine, I'm very adept at doing what that entails. Like I'm doing this project with uh, foster youth coming up soon. 
where we're going to have five to 10 foster kids come up and talk about their experience in the foster system or whatever they want to talk about. Cause the only question I really ask is what do you want to talk about? If they don't want to talk about it, they can, I'm going to record the whole thing. And hopefully that like, there will be a story that resonates with people and spreads awareness of the life in the foster system. And I understand that filming that can provide a lot of value to the organization I'm working with and for my audience. So I hope and look forward to that being something that makes me uncomfortable because I don't know exactly how to film it in a way that I agree with, but figuring that out, I'm excited to do. Time for a quick break, but we'll be right back. Welcome back to our conversation. I want to come back to something about something you said at the beginning of our conversation about where the idea come, came from. But you said you'd volunteer and there was a prison program, something called Freedom to Choose or something like that. Yes. Okay. Tell me a little bit more about this program because I've not heard about it. And what, what is happening with you and, and prisoners and what, what is it that you're doing for them? So Freedom to Choose is the most incredible program I've ever heard of. And I just admire the people who start it so so much. It is a program that does communication exercises and conversation facilitation for people in prison. And so you train as a, as a volunteer in this very simple style of communication they have. It's just a conversation. Every week you'll go into a prison or uh, once a month and there's a worksheet. It's one page and it says, you know, today we're going to be talking about triggers or we're going to be talking about um, bad decisions or, and there's seven questions and it'll be like, what was a bad decision you made? Like what led you to cause this? What would something else you could do be? And then it, although he goes to next time, you know, what can you do differently if this happens? And it was incredibly simple, this process. And so I did this before the pandemic started because once the pandemic started, you couldn't go to prisons anymore. Uh, but I would find myself in, you know, like a big lunch room or rec room. And this program in all the prisons that it's in, it's the most popular extracurricular activity that there is. The line to take this thing is people get their dockets, which they use to sign up for classes or whatever, and they sprint to the sign-up sheet. I mean, this is as cool as it gets. And so many volunteers are people who came out of prisons and said, this changed my life. I want to get back into it. And so the way they format it is the people will come to the front of the room and explain a little bit about, you know, today we're talking about triggers. Uh, and then you sit in groups of three people. Usually it's one volunteer and two participants. And one person will be the sharer, one person will be the facilitator, and one person will be the silent observer or the neutral observer. And you'll just practice saying, you know, okay, the first question is this. And then the, as, the, as the person who's volunteering, you always go first. Because if you don't show up emotionally, if you don't go deep, no one's going to go deep with you. And so, you know, I'll find myself talking about triggers and answer the questions. And one of the people who are in prison is asking me these questions and reflecting to me. And this happens in a, a very time-structured way. So you have, I think, seven or eight minutes, depending on how long you have. They ring a bell, you have a couple minutes to close down, and then everyone shares something about, you know, what they heard, what they felt like, and then the silent observer will say something about what they learned. 
uh, through the experience, then you rotate. So everyone over the course of an hour gets to share, gets to be heard, and gets to listen. Yeah. Okay. There's a couple of things that you've done in, in, the, in the video that I saw where you swap positions. You're like, well, I decided to have the person switch roles. Tell me what brings that on and what, what is the purpose of that? Every once in a while, someone who's smart will come up to me and want to have some fun. They'll say, I'll listen to you today. And I always have something to talk about, you know. We could have this podcast for four hours and I could freestyle the whole thing and we would be able to just keep going. Uh, and so whenever someone asks if they can listen to me, I've got something to talk about. And so this kid comes up and he says, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, what about you? Do you want to talk about something? So I say, sure. But I make sure we switch positions because it's symbolic to me that he's in the listener's mm -hmm. seat. You know, if someone gives me a chance to talk, I'll take it almost every time. So that kid gave me a chance to talk. And in the video, people started coming up, which always happens in popular areas, and giving him props for doing it. Oh, I love the table. And this kid just rolled with it. And he's like, thanks, you know, working on Be A Better Listener. It's really cool. Like, I love it. <laughs> and that was really cool for me to just be there and say, well, people are asking. He's answering. Great. He's, and he's getting to feel good about being appreciated for being a good listener. Yeah which means he gets to go home feeling like listening is something that feels good. Mm -hmm. And he also got to make friends, which was insane. Uh, this specific video, this kid, you know, at the beginning of the table, he shares how he's struggling to make friends. And then these kids come over and they start talking and the kids stay for like an hour. And at this point, we're just having a conversation. Kids are telling stories. I'm telling stories. You know, the, the guidelines are there. But once, you know, you, you just play it as it comes. And all of a sudden, we're just having a conversation and... Kids say, we're going to go watch a movie. And this guy goes, can I come with you? And they say, yes. And, you know, they sent me a message like several months later saying we're still hanging out. Uh, and so it was just incredible. Sometimes, only twice has something magical like started and finished at a table where someone expresses something and that happens. And so it was really awesome that that, that, that happened. I saw that video. It's a good video. Thank you. It, and it's neat that somebody came up and said, I have a problem making friends, switch roles. Then he embraces it and other kids. And then they they go off and go watch a movie together. It's like, it's kind of almost like a scripted thing where it bookends so beautifully. And it's neat that that was, you were able to witness that at least one time, if not more. There was another time it happened, which was crazy. That one was way before I started filming it. And that one was entirely in a different language, which was amazing. I did a table in Israel because I haven't missed a week and I was in Israel. So I got these cardboard signs just out of like a ripped a box apart, set up this thing. And I had a friend of mine be a translator. And some person comes up and basically says, you know, there's this guy I really like and I don't know how to tell him. And he's right over there. And this is all in Hebrew. I don't say a thing because my friend's translating every once in a while just telling uh, this person probably in her like late 50s or 60s. And she was this older woman. Uh, and we were at this marketplace and at first she says, like, she says she doesn't want to talk. And my friend says, like, you, you don't have to talk. That's okay. We're here to listen anyways, uh, if you want to. And then a couple of minutes go by and she says, like, she's super depressed and that's it. And we see, and then a couple more minutes go by and she says she's depressed because she's in love with this man who's selling vegetables, like, 30 feet away, just slaying vegetables I off see. the cart. So she comes to the market to see him every day, but doesn't have the courage to say something. And there's this opportune moment when you guys are there that she thinks maybe this is the moment and you guys facilitate that happening. 
Do you think about the way you dress or uh, the way you appear to, to make your, the table as uh, inviting and not intimidating as possible or just roll up with whatever you have? I usually just roll up with whatever I have. But I now have this sweater that says listening sweater on it that I made as like a, t- mm-hmm. a tr- trial to make merchandise. So maybe I'll wear that yep. if it's not too warm. Um, mm-hmm. But usually it's just whatever. So you you mentioned, I think in some of the videos that you you teach or talk about communication, outside of the listening table as your, as your project, what are you doing professionally with this concept? I'm trying to figure out what the product is because... Mm-hmm. I'd like to do something professionally. I'd like to be able to afford rent and et cetera, what comes with having any money. Um, I have a book that I've been writing for a while because I write all these blog posts about by table. And at this point, I have over 150 or 60 pages of material of my own reflections. Uh, I train people how to do their own listening tables for free uh, online. I've just started putting these videos on YouTube because I realized people shouldn't have to make my schedule, be available on my schedule. You know, when I do my Sunday afternoon classes, they should just be able to get this whenever they want to. Uh, So in trying to make it as accessible as possible, I'm not exactly sure how to make myself get any money from it. I think I'd like to do like communication coaching if I can get people to pay me to help personally get them through obstacles they have or speaking at schools you know i've got some universities in the works and i've got a a little 3d printed listening table uh, that i'm prototyping right now to see if i can make a little bit of merchandise but i have no idea what i'm doing professionally even though i know that's a bad answer (laughs) i've met with a bunch of people who've asked my business plan and i said like i don't know my business plan and I just had this whole driving to, oh, I drove my listening table from here to New York and back, um, setting up all across the country. I just got back. Uh, and I learned a lot about how listening tables are good for big cities and bad for small towns. And it just reinforced the principle that like the real listening table is not some guy sitting out in public, but it's you with your family and your friends in your, you know, at your cafeteria table or your house. So uh, profession, you know, I met with people who wanted to help me and they're like, what's your business plan? I said, I don't know what my business plan is. And on this podcast, this is the last time I'll say that because that's not an acceptable answer for anyone who's serious about something. Mm. But I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in, in context, I, I think I think you said you started the listening table in November of last year. It's been like 18 months since I started. Okay. And then I started posting on social media in November of 2022. I see. So in a very short amount of time, you've got a couple hundred thousand followers on Instagram. So you're doing something right. You're, you're hitting a nerve and you found a unique format. I think I, I wasn't asking that question to, 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 to judge or anything because I think there's an opportunity for you. Uh, when I talk to young people, I say, you just master a skill first before you start thinking about uh, making media or monetization. And, and people tend to focus too much on monetization. And so they lose the whole why of what they're doing. And I think it's important to know that and to develop some skill. I also just want to remind people who are listening to this that you, I think you said that you did 60 tables before you even started recording or even thinking about doing anything just because you wanted to, to practice the craft and work through the problem. And I think that's great. So you're actually moving very fast, in my opinion. And 
I think the opportunity for you is to go and share like an 18 minute style TED talk and and go on the speaking circuit and say what you've learned about having 2000 listening tables or whatever the number is going to be and, and the patterns that you have observed and how, how transformative listening can be. And it's one of the easiest things to learn how to do, but one of the most difficult things to master. Right. Well, you know a lot about what you're talking about. So I'm going to clip that and send it to all these people who uh, want to ha- think about having me as a speaker because that'd be really cool. I think that's what you, you, if you could do that, I think it would start to package you and then uh, probably there will be other opportunities for you. So I want to end it on this. Here's the big question I have for you is how have you been transformed by this whole process? This is such a fun question. I'm going to answer it to you, but I really want to just highlight something you just said that listening is, uh, difficult to master, but easy to practice, right? Like it is the easiest thing you could possibly practice. You get so many chances to practice listening every day. And if you fail, it's okay. You can try again in the same conversation with the same person or the next day. It is so easy to practice. Difficult to master, but I don't even know what mastery is. Someone told me that if you think you're a good listener, if you think you're a great listener, that means you have a a great opportunity to start learning again. So uh, (laughs) I just want to appreciate you saying, you know, how easy it is to practice. How has this changed me as a person? It's humbled me a lot. Even though I'm very talkative, I've been a lot less talkative in certain environments. Um, I really know the difference between when I want to say something and when I want to be heard, uh, which is, I think, in this world, everyone wants to be heard, you know, to be liked, to be appreciated online. So people want to be heard before they have something to say. And I think I'm really even if it's just talking about the Ted Lasso episode that was on yesterday, it's, you know, it's a different uh, way you give your opinion on things. I have, was in a relationship uh, at a while, for a while of doing this table, and we didn't have a single fight. We had, we had differences in very strong feelings about things, but never a fight, never, you know, I, I really was proud of how, I haven't argued with anyone really this whole time. I mean, since I started doing this, I've also really learned about certain types of self-control. I mean, give one really specific example just to conclude it. You know, I talked about my brothers at the beginning. I was a bit of a violent older brother and I gave most of that violence to my middle brother. Uh, And we eventually started getting along better. It helped a lot when I got to be a better communicator. And our last time we hung out in New York City was like the best time we've ever spent together, which was amazing, really transformed. But my youngest brother, he has the potential to be annoyed with me a lot when I'm not saying mean things. Because I rarely say mean things. I'm pretty good at saying a lot of things without saying mean things. But if I just say unusual things, so I love having fun with conversations, he has a short patience for it. And I 
always kind of ignored him being annoyed because I wasn't trying to annoy him. I was saying like, I'm just having fun. We're just having a good time. You're just annoyed about this, but that's okay because I'm not trying to annoy you versus like if you hurt someone, they get hurt. But if you're just doing whatever you want and someone gets annoyed by it and at some point it was like a bolt of lightning where I realized even if I'm not trying to bother him, I am bothering him. And I'm in control of what I say, and I have full grasp of the English language. I can get along with him and have fun without annoying him. And that was like a transcendent moment for me where I realized I can have a good relationship with him and have fun. It just requires a little bit of work on my part, but that's like creativity. And I got a lot of creativity. So that was really transformational. And now I have great relationships with all my siblings and all my family and parents. And I have not looked back. I'm very proud of that. And I still have to practice that all the time. And I botch it so many times, but I know I'm capable of it. And so I'm striving towards it every day. That's wonderful. So the benefit for you, what I heard was as you practice your, the craft of listening, it's humbled you it's helped to remove a lot of conflict in your life uh, because maybe you've learned how to be a better listener and, and, and maybe practice deeper empathy and just less judgment. No, no advice giving us as the table has said, and, and has helped you to exercise a lot greater self-control. And maybe you just got a, a little bit wiser in the whole thing and just are stepping back and saying, you know, even though I could choose to act in a very specific way, and, and I would be innocent by my own judgment, but maybe I could do more. Maybe I can be a little bit more creative as to how I look at this so that everybody can get what they want and I don't have to aggravate people in my life. And it's a beautiful thing you just shared. Thank you. I feel so heard by you. You're an incredible listener. Well, thank you. I, I really love how you summarized that so beautifully. It's good. Well, it's one of these moments where I think where we see each other, we, we in air quotes, see each other where just the concept, and it doesn't usually happen that often to me when I'm just scrolling through Instagram and I see something in my feed randomly that I then pursue and follow. And I'm like, wait a minute, I, I need to find out more about this young man and what he's doing because it's such an interesting concept that I think needs to be shared with more people. So thanks for doing this. And I, I think also as, as a listener, and you've mentioned this, it's also nice that we be heard and we have stories to tell so that it's not just all about us receiving, but it's also giving back into the world. So I had suspected, and I'm, I'm glad that it was confirmed today, that as I was able to ask the question with you, and you're, you're just happy to share your experiences, your observations, and what you've learned. So it's, it's, I just wanted to give you that opportunity as well. Well, I really appreciate it. And I cannot wait to have you join me at my listening table where I get to hear about you. And maybe I end up recording it and sharing it. Maybe I just get to enjoy it for myself. Who knows? But I'm very excited for that. I, uh, I was just honored to be here and so grateful that you saw what I made and responded to it. And really was awesome because I've looked up to you for a long time. Well, thank you so much. My name is Orly Nathan Israel, and you're listening to The Future. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't already, subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting app and get a new insightful episode from us every week. 
The Future Podcast is hosted by Chris Doe and produced by me, Stuart Schuster. Thank you to Anthony Barrow for editing and mixing this episode. And thank you to Adam Sanborn for our intro music. If you enjoyed this episode, then do us a favor by reviewing and rating our show on Apple Podcasts. It will help us grow the show and make future episodes that much better. Have a question for Chris or me? Head over to thefuture.com slash heychris and ask away. We read every submission and we just might answer yours in a later episode. If you'd like to support the show and invest in yourself while you're at it, visit thefuture.com. You'll find video courses, digital products, and a bunch of helpful resources about design and creative business. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.